0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: Sometimes we think that if we're serving God, we're going to be successful and prosperous and healthy and you know, everything's going to be great because we're serving God. But listen, when you read the scriptures and when you look even at church history, you find that most people who have served God in an impactful way have simultaneously had all kinds of difficulties and troubles and afflictions. This is our lot.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Lamentations chapters 1 through 5.
1: Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, turn to Lamentations, if you haven't done that already. So, Lamentations, and I'm, I'm just going to kind of cover quickly the, the five chapters, but I want to first of all talk about the type of literature that Lamentations is. And it's actually in the, the title, it, it's, the, it's, it's referred to as Lament. And and lament, you find lament language in many places in Scripture. The Psalms are filled with lament language. And what lament language essentially is, it's the people of God pouring out their hearts and their griefs and their confusion and, and those things, pouring them out to God. So it's not grumbling and complaining against God. It's crying out to God. And in some cases, it's crying out along with God. So perhaps we are in a crisis or some tragedy has struck or something like that. And and our lament to the Lord would be to cry out to him about those things. Lamenting with the Lord we might look at our current cultural moment and we might lament with the Lord as the Lord looks at what's happening in our world and as he looks at what's happening in our nation and as he looks at what's happening in his church. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And so as we would be grieved along with him, that would be a way of lamenting as well. And so this book of Lamentations, this is the lament of Jeremiah the prophet. And remember, we we studied through Jeremiah. We saw that Jeremiah was prophesying all the way till the carrying away of the people of Judah into the Babylonian captivity, all the way through the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and beyond. And so now, this little book of these five chapters is a further word from Jeremiah, his lamentation as he looks back over what has happened to his people. And so I'm gonna just, I'm gonna read a few verses from each chapter. Let me just read uh, a few verses here in chapter one. Here's a description. Verse one, how deserted lies the city once so full of people. How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces how has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. And so that's the the condition in the second chapter. Verse 11, my eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed, because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, where is bread and wine? As they faint like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their lives ebb away in their mother's arms. What can I say for you? With what can I compare you, daughter Jerusalem, To what can I liken you that I may comfort you, virgin daughter Zion? Your wound is as deep as the sea. Who can heal it? So remember, if you can, back to Jeremiah. And remember, Jeremiah, he's known as the weeping prophet. And he was uh, a man who was called by God to live through a horrific time of history and to have a ministry that would never really bear any outward fruit. So the fruit of Jeremiah's ministry was simply his obedience to God, because there was, there was, there was never any repentance. There, you know, he was calling the nation to repent, and they never did repent, and that finally brought about the judgment. So as, as Jeremiah's expressing these things, it's, it's hard for us because, you know, our lives are relatively comfortable and easy, and we're not living in the midst of rubble because we've been invaded by a foreign army and, and destroyed. You know, maybe somebody sitting in the ruins of a, of a European city in 1945 uh, could really identify with what Jeremiah was talking about here or, you know, somebody in some other place around the world that's experienced conflict and war and carnage and all of that. Uh, so for us, I mean, in a sense, we, we have to kind of just try to put ourselves in Jeremiah's shoes. It was uh, heart-wrenching, Situation for him. He loved his nation. He loved his people. And to see the desolation that they brought on themselves because of their refusal to repent, this, this broke the prophet's heart. Now, in the third chapter, he expresses not just the, the um, trouble that the nation had experience, but he expresses his own trouble in the midst of it. And, you know, when we were studying through Jeremiah, and I've read Jeremiah many times over the years, and I've taught it a few times over the years, but this time, like no other time, it struck me how much Jeremiah suffered, how difficult his life was, even as God's servant. And even though God promised him that he would protect him and he would be with them, Uh, you know, he went through some really brutal experiences. And we would see in Jeremiah's prophecies, we would see that he would would cry out in these extremes. He would cry out and, you know, curse the day that I was born and, you know, curse the man who brought news to my father that that a child was born and, oh, that I would have died in the womb. I mean, these are the things that he's saying, during his prophecy. And so he he would say these things. He would go into these depths of despair. But then he would would inevitably rise up out of it with hope. And, And we really see him doing this here in this third chapter. Look at the beginning. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction By the rod of the Lord's wrath, he has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. Now, like we said, maybe you remember when we were going through Jeremiah, this is the way it seemed to Jeremiah. Now, was God the one who really did these things to Jeremiah? No. But it it seemed like it because he was going through these things and there wasn't the deliverance that came. So so to Jeremiah, it, it seemed like, Lord, why are you doing this to me? But just as we see in his prophecy, he has this moment when we come to verse 20 where he kind of comes to his senses, if you will. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But let me just read a couple of passages from both chapters um, four and actually just one verse from chapter five. Then we'll come back and focus on this part of chapter three that I want to zero in on. So uh, verse five of chapter four, Those who once ate delicacies, so again, he's describing the the destruction of the city and the the situation. The ones who once ate delicacies are, are destitute in the streets. Those brought up in royal purple now lie on ash heaps. The punishment of my people is greater than that of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment without a hand turned to help her. Their princes were brighter than snow and whiter than milk, their bodies more ruddy than rubies, their appearance like lapsus lazuli. So he's describing uh, again, you know, the condition before the Babylonian invasion. But verse 8 now they are blacker than soot, they are not recognized in the streets, their skin is shriveled on their bones, it has become as dry as a stick. Those killed by the sword are better off than those who die of famine, racked with hunger. They waste away for lack of food from the field. Listen to this. With their own compassionate, with their own hands, compassionate women have cooked their own children who became their food when my people were destroyed. The Lord has given full vent to his wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger. So this is how, utterly deplorable the situation was. There was cannibalism going on in the aftermath of the destruction. And so then, as we come to the fifth chapter, Jeremiah says right there, just in the first verse, he says, remember, Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. And so he's crying out to the Lord. But let's go back to chapter three. So let me, um, let me pick up reading in verse 13. Or verse 12, he's speaking, he says, again, speaking of God, he drew his bow and made me the target of his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have Forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Let me just say this. This is God's servant. This is the prophet. And what we need to take away from that is when we suffer, when we experience injustice, when we go through tragic things, we need to remember that this is the lot of the people of God in this world, even the servants of God, even the prophets of God. Sometimes we think that if we're serving God, we're going to be successful and prosperous and healthy and you know everything's going to be great because we're serving God but listen when you read the scriptures and when you look even at church history you find that that most people who have served God in an impactful way have simultaneously had all kinds of difficulties and troubles and afflictions this is our this is our lot one of the reasons, well, of course, there's the reason that we live in a fallen world, a broken world, a sinful world. That's one reason. But there's another reason. There's a devil. And he doesn't want us to do anything for God. So he does all kinds of things to try to discourage us. And, you know, when you do a little bit of, of surveying of church history, you, you find that almost anybody who ever did anything that got in the history books not that everybody who did great things got in the history books, but the people who did get in the history books, you find that there's all the glory and there's the blessing and there's the amazement of what God did, but then there's a backstory. It's all the suffering that they endured. Now, many times I have mentioned my wife's podcast, (laughs) Women Worth Knowing, because I love it for one... But number two, it's a reminder. I love church history. I used to read a ton of church history. I don't have that much time right now to read church history. But as they go through these women worth knowing, they're kind of just marching us through history. And as you're looking at these people who did these extraordinary things for God, you're seeing that the backstory is suffering. It's it's difficulty. Just this week, they did the second part to the story of Catherine Booth. Catherine Booth is the wife of William Booth, and they were the founders of the Salvation Army in England. And the story is absolutely amazing. But with both Catherine and William Booth, one of the things that they bring out in the podcast is the suffering that they endured. They were afflicted. They were physically afflicted. They had all kinds of opposition and things. And then at a certain point, they both came under these these deep depressions. Man, but they were serving God. But they would go out and preach the gospel on the streets. You know, these days, I mean, we go out and try to preach the gospel. Somebody says something mean to us. We just think, oh gosh, I'm persecuted. I got to, you know, better not say anything. Oh man, they went out and they were pelted with rocks and they were pelted with rotten food and in some cases, the, the carcasses of dead animals were thrown at them, and all of this to get them to shut up and not to share the gospel. But, the, but that's they're just one example of this kind of thing. And so all that to say, not to put us on a total downer, but just the reality is, as, as we see here with Jeremiah. All those who live godly in Christ will suffer, will suffer persecution. We will suffer different kinds of things because we're living in a world that is opposed to God and we are pushing against an invisible enemy who hates God and hates you because you belong to God and doesn't want you to be used by God and will do anything he can to discourage you. So just as, and you know, James tells us this in his little letter, right? He says, take for example, the prophets. Take them as an example of suffering and of glory. And then he he points to Job. He says, remember Job. Remember how Job suffered, but then remember also the, um, the outcome of his faith. Remember the blessing of God on him in the end. And so Jeremiah, he's in the pit. He's lamenting his own experience, which seems in this dark, dark moment that God has abandoned him. But then he says this in verse 21, having said, my soul is downcast within me, verse 21, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. You know, when things are dark, when days are dark, when it seems like the sun is setting on our world in not in a positive way, but in a negative way, like a a dark night is descending upon us, we need to call to mind the Lord and have hope. We need to call to mind the Lord and have hope. Now, I do believe that there is a dark night. There has been a dark night. Darkness has been descending upon our nation. And it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. And that can cause us to be depressed, can cause us to be filled with anxiety, with fear. How do we combat that? How do we handle that? How do we deal with that? Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. That's what Jeremiah remembered. He he remembered the Lord's great love. And... He he remembered that it was because of his great love that the nation wasn't completely obliterated. It wasn't completely wiped out because of God's compassion. And, you know, as we maybe think about what could befall us in the days ahead, and as we're tempted to anxiety, as we're tempted to fear, as we're tempted to depression, let's not forget this. The Lord's compassions never fail. And listen to this. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, these these are the kinds of things that the people of God, we fall back into this. We just, you know, (laughs) fall back into those everlasting arms and we're depending on the Lord to catch us. You know, at times I get overwhelmed in my mind. I get depressed. I get discouraged. I'm just as human as anybody else, man. I look around, and I think oh, things are a mess, and it doesn't look like they're going to get any better anytime soon. It, as a matter of fact, it looks like they're probably going to get worse, and I don't like that thought because I have a family. I have kids. I have grandkids. And I think of the world that they're living in, the world that they're inheriting, the insanity that we are living in at this moment. And, and you know how that is. I mean, that can just become overwhelming. What do you do? I'll tell you what I do. I just fall back into the compassion and the mercy of the Lord. But yeah, I, just, I just lean back. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm falling back. Catch me. And you know what? He always does. And he just gives me sometimes just a little, I mean, just sometimes it's just the smallest little spark of hope. It's just, you know, something he, you know what he will do so often? He will just remind me of things he's doing. And he's go, "But, but Brian, what about this? You know, I'm doing this over here. Oh gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's great. That's a great thing. Or Brian, think about what I'm doing with these people right here. Oh wow, yeah, that is good. You know what I've learned over the years? I used to kind of get, you know, when I was when I was younger I would get into looking at all the not not just the problems in the world but you know looking at it from the perspective of nations and you know trying to figure out Bible prophecy and this is happening here and that's going to happen over there and trying to piece it all together. And I'll never forget there was a, actually a moment where I was I was digging into all of that and looking at the, you know, these nations are gonna come together and all this is gonna happen and this invasion and so on. And, and, you know, the Lord just stopped me in my tracks and said, stop, stop (laughs) looking at that stuff. I want you to stop looking at that and I want you to look at me. And what the Lord was really saying to me is I want you to stop looking at what men and the devil are doing and I want you to start focusing on what I'm doing. You know, that's the best way to, to get pulled out of a pit, to remember what the Lord is doing. And you know what I would say to people right now, today, this very day, who are depressed, who are discouraged, who are fearful, I would just simply say this get your eyes off the situation and get them onto God, and remember that God is at work and ask him to show you what your part is in the work and get busy doing the work of God so you're not sitting around fretting about what men and the devil are doing.
0: For the month of October, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. Can a Christian become demon-possessed? Is there really an unseen spiritual battle behind large-scale world events and the details of individual lives? If you've ever wondered about the unseen spiritual realm and its influence upon the physical world, then this month's book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian, will answer these very questions. If you want to better understand the spiritual battle that we're involved in as Christians, how to recognize the tactics of the enemy and how to live a victorious Christian life, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443. as we study together in the Book of Lamentations. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.